Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison. Thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. And folks, uh, if you listen to the show at all, uh, you'll know that uh, Ron Robbins has, up until today, he has been down in Florida from his Southern Agricultural Command Center. But no, not today. He's decided to join us in person. Whoa, Ron. Yeah, Jay, we had to break out the microphones and the cables and everything. I know. I'm used to doing the show alone here in my uh, office. And now all of a sudden I got this guy sitting across from me. And he didn't even bring me back anything from Florida. What the heck? Yeah, I didn't even bring sunshine. No, Man. you didn't. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Sloppy and gray. We're in the we're in that part of the season that uh, yeah we just have to plow through it. Yeah, that, that's that's all you can do. Uh, we're getting a little rain today, and I'll take it because it's melting off some of the snow. Yeah, and you know, and I drove around the farm yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, how in heck does this place go from looking so bad yeah. right now? Yeah to looking so good in a month from now, but yeah. it always happens. It always happens, yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah, it's a little messy out there, but, you know, you, uh, you've you brought us a guest today who is still down in Florida, Yes, and uh, he was trying to find a shade tree to sit under <laughs> so that he wouldn't get warm doing the interview, and I felt really bad for him when he was saying that. Not. Nah. Uh, yeah. So how you doing, Sutton? Great, Jay. How are you doing? How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing good, Sutton. I uh, Sutton is uh, is a, a I've got him listening to our podcast. Oh, God bless you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I thought, geez, this would be a good chance to uh, to get him on the show. Um, Sutton and his family operate a real unique, uh, diversified farming oper dairy farming operation in uh, South Central Florida. You don't think about dairy farms in South Central Florida so much no you think of beaches and uh theme parks and uh campgrounds and fishing and but and they actually milk cows down there yeah they hard, actually do hard and to believe, hard we, to believe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. let's state that again we try to milk cows <laughs> yeah <laughs> ron says you guys do okay down there so it's we'll, a challenge but we, we we've learned to adapt yeah so same thing with you guys with your terrible winter weather you know we deal with summers this is kind of our our time to shine right now you know it's it's sunny in 75 here, so oh, nice. uh, we do need a little rain, but, but you know, it's a, it's a great place to live from December to April, mid-April. So. so we should give you a more formal introduction rather than the, uh, yeah. than the uh, busting on you introduction, which is what we're good at. <laughs> uh, so, so folks, we're talking to Sutton Rucks. He is an owner-partner in Milking R Incorporated Dairy Farms. Uh, down there, as Ron just said, in South Central Florida. He's also a treasurer for the Southeast Milk Cooperative Board there in Florida. And he's a board member with United Dairy Industry Association, which is a federation of state and regional dairy producer-funded promotional programs, if I got that right. Correct me if I said anything wrong, Sutton. So, uh, no, I you, think you had it. All right. So, what, so you, the, the, 
the takeaway from that is you live, eat, and sleep dairy farming, dairy promotion, the dairy industry 24-7. Is that a correct summary? I would say so. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a passion. You know, we, we love what we do. Uh, I'm not going to say we don't have rough days, but, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor to represent my fellow farmers on those boards and, you know, just try to try to keep the, the dairy industry rolling in, in South Florida or in, in Florida in general. So. Yeah. so Sutton, before we get into the, um, the deep stuff of talking about dairy industry, uh, tell us about your farm first, because a lot of our listeners uh, probably don't even think about dairy farming in Florida. So tell, tell us about your farm. Yeah. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, I farm ground. My grandmother and grandfather bought in 1956. Um, the original ground my grandfather and grandmother owned was in Deerfield Beach, Florida, about two and a half miles from the ocean. Uh, cows were milked in that part of Florida just because of, you know, in the 40s. That was in the, actually, yeah, they bought that property in the 40s. But in 1933, my grandfather and grandmother started milking cows in Dade County, Ooh, uh, probably wow. about five miles from downtown Miami, uh, which Miami did not look like what it looks like today. <laughs> no, in 1933. I don't think so. No. <laughs> so you know, rural or development, urban development pushed those guys north, and that was Deerfields, just uh, north of Fort Lauderdale, a little bit. Um, so I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of Boca Raton. You know, that's in southwest or South Palm Beach County. But anyway, uh, they were there for about ten years and, and moved a family of four boys up to Okeechobee. Uh, they had and uh, down there they milked about 180 cows. Uh, moved to Okeechobee and expanded about 600 cows. And this was all in a, what we call a flat barn, 88 stall flat barn. Mm -hmm. uh, so virtually a larger tie stall barn where you just shifted cows in and out all, all day long or all night long. I came on board. We'll skip ahead a little bit. I came on board sure. in 1986. The farm that I'm at now uh, was built in 86 as a pasture based farm. Uh, I was going to milk about 700 cows. And that's what we did for quite a few years. Jump ahead a little more. We built our first freestyle barn in 2004. A lot of that was done with environmental pressures that we saw in the late 80s, early 90s here with Lake Okeechobee and the Everglades. So some rules came into play uh, through our state, you know, Environmental Protection Agency. And those have been evolving now for the last 30 plus years, 35 years. But so 2004, we put uh, 400 cows inside. I say inside in freestyle barns. A couple of years later, we built a, another barn, another 600 went inside. So right now we're milking about 1,500 cows here, uh, four freestyle barns. Uh, this farm's a little unique. Uh, we actually gave up 100 acres of land uh, to run heifers on. It was, it's, it's not land like you guys have up in the Northeast. I mean, it's more pasture base uh, for heifers. We do have around 380 acres, 350 acres of irrigated ground that we use, uh, you know, the fluent water from the, from the free stalls in the parlor as for irrigation, but we gave up a hundred acres to store our rainwater. So this farm oh, captures wow. about 95% of the rainwater in the, in the rainy season. And then, uh, we use that water back as irrigation on the 350, 380 acres. Really? Uh, if we, you know, if we run out of affluent water, we have that 300 acre feet of water is backed up water to irrigate with. So when I do a farm tour, we talk about how this farm uses virtually we farm, but we don't use any water out of the aquifer to actually irrigate with. 
So. Wow, that's uh, kudos to you. I mean, that's uh, pretty significant to to build that size storage structure for rainwater to capture the rainwater, so that you're using that for your irrigation purposes. That's that's pretty significant. And it, it really yeah. is it really is unique to see that because it's it's also a wildlife. Uh, well, I was just thinking sanctuary. about the duck hunting on it, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's quite impressive, really, to drive around. You know the the edge of that, yeah, and, and the kind of wildlife you see, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know Sutton's farm is a shining example of uh, the great job dairy farmers do in this country to uh, utilize all the resources to their fullest that, uh, you know, that they generate on yeah. the farm. Yeah, and, no, that's that's significant. You know, when I listen to your story, though, Sutton, and, you know, it's almost like you, your family, and, and a lot of other farm families in Florida have almost been nomads, you know, milking cows down next to what was probably the population center, right? Miami was... That's right, Ron. Yes. And then, of course, development push, push, started pushing them north. You know, further development along with water quality issues pushed you even farther north. Fortunately, from what I know, you were one of the ones that kind of survived staying in Okeechobee, where a lot of other farmers actually got pushed even farther north into North yeah. Florida and South Georgia or went out yeah, of business that's... altogether. Yeah, that's correct, Ron. That 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 all started in the late '80s, early '90s. There was an option. You know, we we decided to invest the money back into the farm uh, with some environmental projects. Uh, some of those farms, the state actually offered them so much per head, just to not to sell the land, but to move the cows somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they did not purchase the land. Uh, some of those farms, like you said, went to North Florida, South Georgia, and to my knowledge. I don't know if any of those folks are still milking cows. I could be wrong. But at that time, when I first started here in 86, I think we had 45-ish dairy farms here in our county. We were, we were the largest dairy county. And you know what? I've not done the math in my head, but I think we're down to probably 12 now in this county. The ones that are here, it's had to, you know, of course, we've gotten a little larger, but not not huge. Um, I think our largest facility is probably milking, you know, in our county, probably milking 20. 2800 maybe through that facility maybe 3000 but you know in that in that high 2000 head range so 28 so are these dairies are are they all pretty much pasture based or what no, no jay uh we've that's all converted uh 20 uh the first freestyle was probably built in this area of florida in the early 90s uh, up until the 90s, every cow, there was not a cow in, in any type of structure down here uh, prior to that. So figure from, you know, the 50s to early 90s. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think there's only two, maybe two farms, two farms left that have cows out on pasture in this part of Florida. Everything else is in, in freestyles. And, and the two that I'm talking about, I'm reaching out into in another county now. Wow. I think every cow, every cow in this county is milked, milked under, milked through under a freestyle bar. Well, and or housed under a freestyle. You know, it it just makes sense. I, in my opinion, it makes sense because down there in that kind of heat, you know, having cows out under the sun would be brutal. Oh, I mean, it's brutal, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I grew up, I remember working you know with my dad in high school. 
you know, prior to high school, it was nothing to see a 50% reduction in milk production from, wow. from winter, from winter production to summer production. Yeah. The only saving grace is, I mean, we didn't know how to cool cows back then, you know, might've been five fans on the whole farm. Uh, never heard of a putting sprinklers on cows to wet cows, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, cows were just, but the, but the feed, I mean, they, the reason that milk production dropped so much, you know, they quit eating. Yeah. So, but that created all kinds of other issues, but, you know, at that time there was a high enough milk price that you just battled through it and made it work. But, right, uh, right. you know, those, those times have changed yeah, for that's, sure. That's so. for certain. So, so now, uh, most of the cows are in the freestall barns and I'm assuming Correct. all of them have incredible ventilation and then the sprinkler systems. Is there anything else, uh, that, uh, you <laughs> use? We're, we're in just traditional, you know, high, high side, no sidewalls, but high, what I want to say, high eve height, uh, freestalls with, I think last barn I counted, it's a, it's a six row barn, uh, 400 cows. There's 104 fans in that barn. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> put it this way, we got good airflow, but the power company loves me in the middle of August, July, August, September. I bet so. they do. I bet they do. <laughs> Jeepers. That, yeah, that's that's got to be pretty brutal to try and keep those cows cools, cool. Yeah. But with the, and, and, you know, our, in the summertime, our nights don't even really cool off much, Jay. No. So, I mean, those things run 24-7. Wow. And uh, it's, it's nice for that first somewhat cool front to come through sometime late October, early November. And you can wake up in the morning and not hear the fans running. I live on the farm, so not hear the fans running in the freestyle yeah. bars. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And then you guys are all flush, right? So all your manu- yeah, yeah. all your feed alleys and walkways and everything is all flushed uh, with uh, wastewater and uh, so that's our- right, Ron. Yeah, recycle water. I mean, our water gets used a lot. I mean, the water we irrigate with that comes through the nutrient stream is pretty is pretty potent stuff. Uh, you know, we've been able to cut our commercial fertilizer down here. Uh, when the cows were out on pasture, you know, all the only the only waste we were catching is when the cows were coming through the the parlor, which you're only that's only eight. I think the numbers have been proven eight percent, maybe ten yeah. percent of the the waste milking two times a day. So you know now we're catching a hundred percent of the waste. So our uh, our lagoon water has has some extra nutrients in it, our nutrient water. So and you know, we get uh, that on the cropland. And then you're separating sand. Right, and Correct. manure we, solids. We a, yeah, we separate our manure solids. Uh, fortunately, in the last year or so, we found a market to sell a good portion of our—not uh, a good portion, but a smaller portion of our of our manure solids. It goes, you know, it'll end up in a bag and be on a shelf in a in a big, you know, big uh, store, hardware store. Or anyway, we, we they've hauled manure here for two weeks, but you know, we we separate about a semi load of manure a day off of 1500 cows. And then we also, we recite, reclaim all, we bed, it's all sand bedding. So we reclaim about 85% of our sand, uh, just through a static, static sand separator, which is fortunately 300 foot of concrete with a sump on the end, about a half a percent slope. Hmm. Wow. Pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. It's amazing to me after it comes through the manure and that, that, flush water how how white the sand stays it, it <laughs> really is really amazing <laughs> wow no that's pretty interesting i'm and i'm sure our our listeners especially those that aren't directly dairy farmers are are 
the, they find it interesting of what you do down there in Florida because, you know, like we said earlier, a lot of people just don't think about dairy farming down in Florida. So uh, Sutton, dairy, so, you know, we're seeing, we hear a lot about, you know, the, the mass migration of people to Florida. You know, we, we obviously, we've talked about the fact that dairy farms are, are somewhat declining in numbers in Florida, you know, and you're involved in some organizations, you're on the, on your co-op board there, Southeast Milk Cooperative. Uh, you're also on the, the national checkoff board. What kind of dynamics is that creating in uh, in Florida, you know, with the fact that, you know, you've got an increasing population that most likely want to buy milk, probably got some processing plants that have dwindled as well. So how is that impacting you guys down there? Yeah, my chest is real tight to you just asked that question, but uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge. And, and I think, you know, we have lost, uh, that's, that's the limiting factor is, is processing right now. From our farm, there used to be four, four processing plants, a, a pretty good size on the southeast side of Florida. Uh, now we're down to two. Uh, most of our milk does go, well, a tanker load of our milk a day goes to a small plant that does yogurt. Uh, they're in more of the Latino market. It's, it's about 50, 60 miles from the farm, but they, you know, their capacity is about a tanker load a day. The influx of people, you know, makes it challenging. Uh, you know, Southeast milk is, you know, we, we purchase milk from, uh, used to, it would only be certain times of the year, but right now we're, you know, we're having to purchase some milk even, even in more of the flush time to, to supply all of our, to supply all of our orders in the plants that we have. So, uh, you know, 22 plus million people in the state of Florida when I, you know, back in high school, 9 million people. So, you know, two and a half plus fold increase. Uh, and people still like milk. I mean, people drink milk. And and uh, Ron and I have talked about this. We, when COVID hit, we we started doing ice cream at our farm. And and uh, and I have a, a co-packer that does the, the Latino yogurts and stuff. A co-pack for us with our milk brand. Uh, very very small scale. It's a small percentage of our production, but but uh, and that's growing, you know. But it's it's good to get out in the countryside and see how people people react to a local product that you know they can put a name and a face with. The thing that kind of makes me proud of what we do is you know we get a lot of people that you know have bought organic uh, for years and years, and and I feel like sometimes local, if they know it's local, truly local, local supersedes some of these organic milks that are out there and there's nothing wrong with organic milks but you know it's just good to get it all back you know within a a, a lesser food mile radius of you know their their homes or, and, and supply them with a fresh product so well i would agree but, uh, with you sutton that the demand for local surpasses the demand for organic when you get right down to it when you cut out all the fluff all the marketing pizzazz and all of that kind of stuff the consumer in my observations will go for the local product that they know is local versus the organic that they're not sure and that's not saying good bad or indifferent about organic it's just saying local i think trump's uh, yeah the uh, organic stuff so yeah 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 Yeah. i agree i you know i I go by and one, one more quick thing we're open on our farm uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and Sunday afternoon for ice cream. We have a small playground here. 
we built a parking lot to hold about 20 cars thinking that would be ample ample enough and and uh this Sunday at one time we probably had a hundred we're gonna have to hire someone to help park cars is what I want to say <laughs> wow. and I go the, the the movie what's what was the baseball movie in Iowa you build it they will come yeah I, yeah, I just, yeah feel the I, dreams and I, I, I never I never thought people would would come to I mean it's Ron's been here you have to drive by our shop it's in the virtually in the middle of our farm where our little farm store is at because you talk about recycling we we recycle buildings for other projects too we just don't tear them down and build new but it made sense to make this building our our little farm store if you want to call it. And, uh, but anyway, people, I've, I've questioned a couple people, you know, Hey, we might go to town and rent, rent a brick and mortar and just have an ice cream shop in town. And oh my goodness, they almost get fighting mad. No, no. We want to come to the farm, huh. see the cows, experience, <laughs> experience the farm, you, you know? So oh, that anyway. is really great. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Now, Ron, you wanted to talk about, we've got about 10 minutes left yeah. or so. You wanted to talk about milk marketing or uh, a promotion? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, kind of following up with, with uh, you know, our previous conversation, Sutton, is how do you, you know, you're on you're on some boards here and, and obviously on the, on the promotion side and the marketing side, you know, dairy farmers pay a lot of money into uh, checkoff which basically that money is is used for marketing and promotion of dairy products as well as education education and promotion I guess. How do you see that going? What what new and exciting things are out there on the horizon for for dairy uh products? You know, Ron, good great question. Thank you for asking. Uh you know, with me being new to the UDIA board, it was kind of my first meeting. I I drank from the fire hose there for a day and a half, but um you know, the, the program that we have that that the national level has going with the Mayo Clinic with the Lactoferns, I can't pronounce that word correctly, but the, the study, it looks like this could open up tremendous opportunity for an added value to all dairy farmers milk, you know, and then the, the partnerships that we have with, uh, there's some new partnerships going on. Uh, there's a company called Raising Canes. It's a, it's a chicken outfit, a chicken franchise out of Oklahoma that uh, there's a partnership going on there to get some cheese and, and products added to their menu. Uh, I think that's, I believe it's one of the largest uh, chicken sandwich type chains okay. in growth right now in the U.S. You know, we have our traditional partnerships with the Pizza Huts and the and the Domino's, which just look like, you know, the way, the way our group from on the national level men's with with the staff there at, at those two organizations, that looks looks like a win-win for all dairy farmers. And you know, we especially where I'm at, I mean, my my farmers live and die by by the gallon jug sales. And you know, we all know how fluid milk has struggled in sales. Uh, that being said, there's not been a lot of innovation just in that gallon jug for 40 years. And I think you know, we've got people in our society that just likes to see. You know, like to see some changes, you know, that's a, that's a struggle, but, you know, I try to make my folks understand that, you know, our milk price is really not driven by, by that gallon jug sale. Yes. You know, that's, that's our paycheck, but we need to really rely on the, on the prize. And that's, you know, keeping, keeping demand up on cheeses, butter, dry products, the whole nine yards. And I just feel like, you know, our national staff has that, they have that foresight to, to be looking out there to just to try to increase sales around every corner. 
And uh, so I, I, you just said something, something that really caught my attention because so often I hear, well, we got to get fluid milk sales up. We got to get fluid milk sales up. And yes, fluid milk sales, you know, fluid milk helps bring in, you know, a better price. But you just said that we should really be focused on uh, making sure that we're continuing to drive that demand for cheese, yogurt, and all of the other products that we're making with milk as well. Is Am I am I capturing that correct? Am I overstating yeah. it or what? No, 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 no. Yes, you are. And like I said, we, you know, 80, 80 plus percent of my, our, our milk that leaves this farm is used in a class one market. I think, I mean, statewide, we would be I'm, I'm assuming this, I don't know the numbers for sure, but we would be the highest class one utilization just about anywhere in the country. Class three, class four price sets our price. Yep. And, uh, you know, we've kind of taken it on the chin. I don't want to get off in the weeds here, but we've taken it on the chin in a class one market. You know, we lost the, we lost the, the higher of the higher of would have really helped our pay price since since COVID and during COVID when, when things got inverted on that class three, class four pricing. So, you know, we've, we, we, we as fluid milk producers, we've struggled with that in, in the, in the terms of what's being seen in our milk check, but we still just got to understand that, you know, we got to drive, we got to drive that consumption. Uh, we got to, you know, even exports, you know, we gotta, we gotta focus on, I shouldn't say focus, but we got to put a good part of our focus on, on exports too. Yeah, and we really, you look at growth uh, in dairy. I mean, Italian cheeses are off-the-chart growth. Uh, some of the Mexican cheeses, uh, certainly, you know, the Latino population growing in this country, uh, that's really taken off. You know, and, of course, we've had the conversation about fluid milk and, you know, the fact that, you know, the dietary standards, you know, were changed back in the early 2000s. And, you know, we've probably lost, uh, you know, a couple generations of milk producers here with kids being turned off. And it was all done maybe with good intentions of solving obesity issues and other things. But now we're coming back around and, and you know, we're seeing the health benefits of, of milk and dairy. And you talk about the medicinal opportunities. I think COVID even opened a lot of minds to say, you know, hey, we we need healthy fat. We need, you know, we need our kids to, you know, to to be able to drink milk. So, you know, maybe we've turned a corner. Maybe we can get some of those uh milk drinkers back here going forward. But uh all good stuff. Yep, correct, Ron. And and I agree a hundred percent. I if we could get whole milk Back in school, I think some of our, my personal opinion, Sutton Rooks's opinion, some of our milk drinkers, we would gain milk drinkers in that yeah. generation. I believe, I believe we've kind of stubbed ourselves on the toe here for a generation or so, just because I don't believe there'll ever be low-fat milk in my home. I'll put it like that. Or, or at one time there was two percent, but I'll be honest, right now it's a full-fat milk in our house, and that's the way it's going to stay. But that being said, I the national you know, the promotion side, they can do the science and prove, help prove that stuff. But when it comes to getting that implemented back in schools, you know, that's a, that's a USDA thing. That's a legislative thing, legislative thing. So, you know, that, that goes to a different arm of our, of our, of our dairy segment here, or, or, or dairy leadership to get that taken care of. And I know you guys had uh what was GT Thompson on right. the, 
yes. on the show a few weeks back. And I mean, I really enjoyed that podcast. I mean, he, he sees, he sees the benefit of that and hopefully, hopefully folks like him can help us push that forward through, through some actions there in Washington and, and, and get a good, good, you know, whole, whole milk product back in front of our school kids and pretty simple science. I think five more minutes of activity outside, I wouldn't say exercise, but activity outside could, could improve a lot of our, a lot of our children's health in this world. Just, uh, you know, we got a, um, I've got a grandson that's eight months old and I'm hoping that he wants to be an outside kid, you know, go with grandpa and ride a tractor or build fence or do whatever, not sit in front of a TV and play video games. Right. And, uh, right. Absolutely. Anyhow, I, I can get off in the weeds guys. I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's okay. Ron and I do that all yeah. the time. So just to give you a, a little bit of a insight here in the very near future, we're in the process of setting up a listening session, uh, with, uh, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. So we're going to have a little audience with her. I'm going to try and get her on the podcast here shortly after that. Uh, but we're going to have an opportunity to sit, sit down with her and talk about uh, important issues for agriculture. And, and that'll certainly be part of that conversation. So um, we're, we're trying to hit as many as we can here. What have we missed, uh, Ron? No, I think we're good, Jay. I, uh, it's really been a great opportunity to to have something on today and get a little perspective from uh, somebody milking cows uh, 1,500 miles from uh, Jefferson County. Where it's 75 <laughs> degrees yeah. and sunny today. Yeah. 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 Not the- I would say 75 and sunny all the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. every, every now and then we get the wind blows. And you guys, I know, get blizzards, and we've never had to shovel snow here, but but uh, when the wind blows 100 miles an hour for about 12 hours straight, it gets a little wishy, you know. Oh, yeah, little, yeah. We, a little wishy down here. So. Yeah. We, we don't wish that on you at all. And <laughs> Let's put it this way. We will take our snow over one of those uh, big old hurricanes <laughs> yeah. any day. So um, not uh, not to make light of that at all. So, But uh, uh, Sutton, uh, it's been great. Uh, really appreciate you joining us today, sir. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and, and uh, thanks for this opportunity to kind of speak a little bit about the dairy industry here in Florida. And, you know, I speak for my fellow dairy farmers here in Florida. I mean, we, we're passionate about what we do. We enjoy what we do. And, you know, there's 22 million people here in the state of Florida we want to help try to feed. So. And before we let you go, just one more time for any of our folks that are going down, you know, all of us snowbirds that go down to Florida, if they wanted to come and get some fresh ice cream from your farm, how would they find you? Uh, you we have a website. Uh, it's, we have two websites, actually, milkinourdairy.com, and then our, our branded milk is Sutton Milk, uh, and that's a website, suttonmilk.com. Uh, both of them have social media pages. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just a quick note on the Sutton milk. That's not named after me. My grandmother's maiden name was Sutton, and she was kind of the matriarch of our family that really kept my grandfather from spending all the money and gambling it away. And, and not that he wasn't a great guy, but but uh, she she was the mother hen when it come to keeping the business together. So that's why we named our brand after her. You know, and it's interesting because my, my grandmother was, her maiden name was Sutton. And the Suttons, <laughs> and we talked about that. Yeah, That's the, right, yeah. the the Suttons founded our farming operation and uh, moved from Ireland. My daughter Julia has the whole genealogy thing down, but uh, oh, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Huh. 
Well, now you both need to change your last names to start with a D instead of an S and think about the marketing opportunities yeah. with that. Especially if, if one of your children's named Beth, and I mean, you'd really be golden. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I know you're trying to cut this short, but I got a quick story if it's all right. Sure, yeah, so, no, no I'm, problem. I'll try to keep it as quick as I can. We were at a really nice, uh, in Okeechobee, there's a real nice, uh, I would call it a country club for hunters. And, um, it's called Pine Creek, if I can mention that name. And sure. anyway, the first time we went up there, we have a concession trailer we sell our ice cream out of. And they invited us to come up for an event. And this gentleman came up and he looks at the Sutton thing. He's Sutton, Dutton, Sutton, Dutton. And I hear the guy saying this back and forth. And I'm like, what the heck's this guy doing? And, <laughs> and uh, walks up to the window and asks, your name, asks my wife, said, your name's not Beth, is it? <laughs> and he goes, no, it's Chris. <laughs> and Anyhow, a, a unique individual, nice guy I met. I mean, I've only met him a couple of times, but uh, it's just amazing about the people that you meet. Uh, he uh, he founded a, an advertising firm that uh, right out of college in 1985, and and he told me started with ten thousand bucks and, and got fortunate enough he he uh, he sold it for I won't say how much, but he sold it for a whack of money. And uh, but he he did a lot of work with. Uh, with Papa John's, with Hagen Doss ice cream and stuff like that. But he was, you guys just brought that up and he was trying to tie that Sutton and Dutton together. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, there'll be a helicopter landed out front there. Yep. 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 There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Sutton, it's been great talking to you, sir. It's a real pleasure. And uh, I've enjoyed learning about the dairy industry there in Florida, besides what Ron shares with us from time to time. Uh, it's uh, been great to uh, chat with you. And uh, if you ever want to tow that ice cream trailer up here, I happen to help run a baseball team here in Je uh, Jefferson County. So we'd uh, we'd park out in front of the ballpark. Yeah. So <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, sir. Well, that was Sutton Rocks. He is owner uh, partner in Milking Our Incorporated Dairy Farms. And uh, we really appreciated him joining us. Ron, good to have you back in the room yeah, here, sir. Yeah, glad to be back, Jay. All right. So, folks, that's it. That's a wrap on today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, make sure you tune in next time right here to Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.